Hi everyone! Thanks for tuning in to Inspire to Aspire's third episode, where we have a very special guest joining us. She is the founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes, an organization that works to prevent illegal abandonment of newborns by installing baby boxes all over the country. Please join me in welcoming Monica Kelsey. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. So I read that you took a trip to South Africa in 2015, and that was a big factor in you deciding to start this organization. Could you share a little bit more about how your trip motivated you to create Safe Haven Baby Boxes? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm actually a firefighter and a medic here in the States. And I had the amazing opportunity to go to Cape Town, South Africa on a speaking tour with um, a friend of mine named Pam Stenzel. And uh, she, uh, she and I went for 16 days. We spoke 14 times in 16 days. It really wasn't a vacation at all. We really worked our tails off. And we happened to be at a church in Cape Town, South Africa that had what they call a baby safe. And I was so intrigued by this baby safe. I was like, what is this and what is it used for? And, and the, the person that was in charge of this said, well, you know, women bring their babies here at night so that they're not seen. And, and I was, I was like floored. I was like, does this really work? Like, because we don't have these in America, you know? And, um, and so I could not get that out of my head. And on the flight back from Cape Town, South Africa on a Delta napkin, I hand drew my uh, version, my um, uh, thought of what the baby box would look like in the States. And then I got back to the United States and I started working really hard to get them here. So, uh, so now we have uh, 58 boxes in multiple states. Uh, we've saved countless babies through our boxes and um, we don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that South Africa had baby boxes in the first place. So since the launch of Safe Haven Baby Boxes in 2015, I know you mentioned that there's almost 60 baby boxes across the country that are installed in fire stations and hospitals. How do these baby boxes exactly work? Well, you know, it's it's technology has advanced so much through the years. And so we've basically taken an idea and the advancement of technology and put it into a box form. And so the box actually calls 911 on its own. It's automatic. Everything happens interior. So mom really doesn't have to do anything. All she has to do is open the outside door. The first 911 call goes out to uh, what we call dispatch. And then when mom places baby inside the box, a second call to dispatch goes off, which is our 911 center. And then when she shuts that door, the door actually locks. So baby is locked inside and the baby can only be retrieved from the inside of the firehouse or the inside of the hospital by medical personnel. And then, um, and then mom walks away knowing that she's done everything possible to keep her child safe. This child's life goes on. She's not prosecuted for abandonment. And this child's gonna grow up with a pair of parents that probably have been praying for, for him or her for a very long time. The boxes are also heated, they're cooled. Um, and uh, um, the technology is just so advanced in these. It's, it's pretty amazing when you get to see the interior of one of our boxes. Mm -hmm. And after these babies are retrieved by medical personnel, what happens to them? So they immediately get transferred to the closest medical facility, which would be a hospital. They're evaluated by a physician, and then they're placed in the custody of the Department of Child Services so that they can find a forever home. Now, safe haven babies are a little bit different. When you say 
when you say the Department of Child Services or foster care, people kind of go, whoa, you know, we don't want these kids in foster care, of course. Well, under the safe haven law, these babies are fast-tracked to adoption. So they don't linger in the foster care system. These babies are normally with their forever families uh, with right about 30 to 45 days. I think it's amazing how advanced the technology and the whole process is. Now, with your five years of experience with this organization, I know you must have went through all types of obstacles, but also heartwarming experiences. Are there any moving stories in particular that come to mind? Oh, we could sit here for hours and hours and talk about some of these amazing women that we have walked alongside. Um, I'll tell you uh, about one mom that uh, gave birth to a child, placed this child in our box, placed in the box with her child was a two-page letter. And this letter, um, it's actually, my book comes out um, next month and I've actually printed this letter. This mom gave me the okay to print this letter, take out the um, identifying information that, um, we, that she didn't want out to the public and then put it in my book. But she basically is just so thankful that the box is available for her because of her circumstances, which we never judge them, we never shame them. Um, but she chose the safe haven law because of a situation that she felt she couldn't get out of. Um, she actually contacted us after she placed the baby in the box. She did not contact us before. And so when she finally did contact us, we were able to get her the resources that she needed, which was counseling. I mean, these moms that place these babies in our boxes, this isn't an easy decision for them. And so getting them counseling immediately to help them um, navigate through the emotions of this is pivotal. And so we put her in, in counseling. And now I, I'm I'm honored that she is one of my good friends, you know, and, and for, for us to be at events together, I mean, she'll be at some of our events as a volunteer and you won't even know that she actually surrendered a baby in one of our boxes. It's, these women are courageous, they're heroic, and um, we need to put them on a pedestal because they've basically said, I want what's best for my child and it's not me. And they've kept their child safe so that another family can love that child with everything they have. I know you mentioned that you provide counseling. What are some other services that Safe Haven Baby Boxes provide? Oh my gosh. So there's so many services. We've never been, we've never turned down a service to a woman that she needed yet. And so uh, we actually had a mom that, um, that surrendered in one of our boxes that got some of the services from us. And then in that process, she uh, going to and from work, her vehicle broke down. And so she contacted us and said, hey, can you guys help me repair my vehicle? We actually helped her repair her vehicle. You know, so it's, it, and, and that's not even part of our program, but, you know, when we say that we're going to walk alongside these women, we're going to walk alongside these women. And so, you know, we did help her. It cost about, I think, $2,200 to fix her vehicle, but she had no way to get to work and she had no way she did have other children as well and so um, that's just you know something small but then we do counseling counseling pro is probably the biggest one that we do that had that has the most impact on these moms because some form of trauma has affected them to where they're at our box and so we try to peel the layers back um, uh, of the trauma to, to help this mom um, be okay with her circumstances, but also love herself enough knowing that she did everything possible to keep her child safe. I don't think these women know how courageous they really are. 
That's awesome. Who would have thought a baby box organization could help with car problems? I know one other thing that Safe Haven Baby Box does is the Beyond the Box Lives on Facebook. I was actually watching one、uh, the other day when you talked about teens abandoning their newborns. Based on your experiences, what is the number one cause for teen infant abandonment? Um, there, well, every case is different.、Um, there's no case that's ever the same. But I can tell you that a lot of the young people that do come through our program, no one knows they're pregnant. They've hidden this for the entire pregnancy, and usually they'll tell one person, which is either their best friend or their boyfriend. And so,、um, so those cases, they they continue to try and hide the fact that they're having a baby. And and so we try to navigate through that. And the first thing that we offer these parents is an open adoption or or a parenting plan. I mean, those those two things are really good options. If they can't do either one of those, or they're too far into the process, and or the baby's been born, they just need a, a quick fix or something.、Um, then of course the safe haven law is 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 an available option that we've. We've put out there for these moms who find themselves in this situation. I I would hope, and I know that that we have a long way to go for this, but I I would I would hope that、um, in the near future, women wouldn't feel feel so shamed of or judged that place for adoption or or place in one of our boxes because it really is a heroic thing for these moms to say, you know, I want what's best for my child, and it's not me. On that topic, are there any stories that come to mind about teens surrendering their infants?、Uh, we have helped a fourteen-year-old surrender, yeah, surrender her child, and I'll, I'll tell you、uh, that child. You actually, if you've been on our Facebook page, you have seen pictures of her, and、uh, yeah, and so her adoptive, not not the mom. I'm sorry, not the mom. The、uh, the child that she gave birth to. Her adoptive family allows us to be a part of her family,、um, you know, kind of like safe haven family, and we get to love on this little girl. But、um, you know, it, her mom is her mom was fourteen, and and bless her for contacting us and letting us walk alongside her and and giving her every option available to her. And then she chose this option. Wow! In the case of the fourteen-year-old that you just mentioned, thankfully there were safe haven baby box services available near her. But for those teen moms that don't have a baby box near them, what can they do if they're thinking about surrendering their child? Well, the first thing I would say is to call us.、Um, let us let us give you all your options. You know, don't just focus on one option. There's so many options out there for young kids and and young teens and young moms and and we want to make sure that you make the best decision for you, which. A lot of times is not the safe haven law. You know,、um, a, a parenting plan. We've helped some of these women that call us that want to surrender in one of our boxes. We've helped them with parenting plans、um, or adoption plans. And so the first thing I would say is call us. Second thing is find a firehouse or a hospital. In this country, every hospital is a safe haven location. All you have to do is walk into any hospital in this country and hand your child to them, and turn around and walk away and tell them you want to surrender under the safe haven law, and it's completely legal, you know. But but if if you have the time or you have the opportunity to call us prior to that, before that crisis occurs, we can help you make a really good decision that that you can be at peace with for yourself. Oh, I didn't know every hospital had that law in place. Does that law apply to all hospitals in the whole country? 
Yeah, every state in the country has hospitals as a, as a safe haven location. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's really a great resource for women. So continuing on with the causes of infant abandonment, I know that there are so many cases in the U.S. where babies are being abandoned in dumpsters or even on the side of the road. Why is that? Well, you know, there's probably a handful of different scenarios or different um, reasonings why. Um, I would say education is is probably one of the highest things on the list. Um, people don't know about the safe haven law. Um, nobody talks about it. You know, it's not. It, it's it's almost like the the thing that just nobody talks about because it's so shameful. And it's like it's not shameful. This is heroic. And so I'd say education would be probably the number one um, reasoning. Um, number two would be being scared, you know, being, um, being scared of surrendering their child and the person that they're surrendering their child to knowing their identity. Um, that's why anonymity is so important. You know, um, we have this case out of Wisconsin right now where a 16 year old kid abandoned his child, you know, and they actually contemplated taking this child to a fire station. And this town that they live in is a small town where everyone knows everyone, you know? So them taking this child to the firehouse, chances are the person who was taking the child also knew the person who was giving the child. And so a lot of these kids just don't feel comfortable doing that. And so that's where the baby boxes come into play because they can still keep their child safe, but their identity is still never known. And, uh, and so that's a win-win situation. I would say those are the two most um, the, the two biggest reasons would be anonymity and education. Yeah, as a teenager myself, I definitely think the anonymity of the whole process is something so important. Um, I know for me, it's hard to put myself even out there on social media. And I can't imagine how scared some of these teens might be in revealing this life-changing event of having a child. But I think Safe Haven Baby Box is so great in providing those resources and services so that teens can get to know the variety of options that they have. So on that note, we're going to take a short break and after we'll be talking more about some advice Monica has for youth. Stay tuned! Be sure to follow inspire to aspire on Instagram at inspire to aspire podcast for updates, sneak peeks, behind the scene clips, and more. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. So in high school, did you ever think you would create this type of organization? You know, I didn't. Um, you know, growing up, I was I was adopted as an infant, and what I was told when I was growing up was that my parents were love were young and and in love, and they couldn't care for me, so they placed me for adoption. So, my entire life growing up, I I envisioned this family waiting for me when I wanted to meet them finally, and and would welcome me with open arms and. When I finally met my biological mother at 37 years old, when I was 37, um, that became the best and the worst day of my life because my dreams of this fantasy family just came crashing down. My birth mom was actually 17 years old. She was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And this was back in uh, on August 25th of 1972 when abortion was illegal in our country, even in the cases of rape and incest. 
and she pressed charges against the man who had raped her. He was arrested and he was charged. And then she finds out six weeks later, you know, when she's finally starting to get her life back that she's pregnant. And so she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy back then. And, and she gave birth in April of 1973 and abandoned her child two hours after that child was born. And that child was me. And so knowing the facts that I was abandoned um, later in life, you know, I mean, when I was 37 is when I found this out. I think if I would have known this growing up, I think I don't think I would have been able to handle it as well as I did when I was 37. And, and you know, we all have a purpose in life. Um, sometimes you find out what that purpose is extremely early in your life. And sometimes you find out a little bit later. And I think for me, you know, finding my birth mom and, and meeting her and understanding the reasons why she abandoned me um, gives me the empathy that I needed to be able to work with the women that I do today, because every situation is different. We should never judge them. We should never shame them. We should just walk alongside them and love them and, and, and guide them in the right direction. And so, um, so I, I think for me growing up, you know, I, I always wanted to be um, a, a police officer or a lawyer. And I went to college and I just was like, this is not for me. So I joined the United States military. And so, you know, I spent eight years in the United States military and then I got out and, and started searching for my birth mom. And so that, you know, it, it's, it, it's almost like a, a series of events in my life that just happened exactly when they needed to happen so that today I would be strong enough to walk alongside these moms. I think that's so inspiring in how you found out the truth of how you were born, but instead of breaking down, you were able to create this awesome organization. I know you mentioned that you were a firefighter and medic before. How did you make this career switch from a medical personnel to the founder of this organization? Well, I did them both for a very long time um, until I couldn't do both anymore. It was just taking too much time. And I, I love being a firefighter and a medic. That is... I mean, they, you either love it or you hate it. And I absolutely loved it. And it was very hard for me to stop. Um, the day that I uh, put my hat back on the shelf, I cried. I just, it was just one of those things that I just didn't want to give up, but I knew that I had to. And, um, you know, when Christ calls you and he pulls you in a different direction and says, Monica, I need you to go this direction now. You know, I, I could have continued to try and hold on to the hat but it would have been harder and harder for me to do the purpose that I was created for. And so I decided um, back in 2018, after being a firefighter and a medic for three years, alongside running this organization that I just couldn't do it anymore. And um, so I, I hung my hat up and I walked away very proud that, you know, I've, I've served my community and now I'm serving in a different way. Yeah, that's great. You were helping adults as a firefighter and medic, and now you're saving babies. So kind of relating to the process of switching careers, how did you build an organization from the ground up? It's been a struggle. Um, I'm one of these people that uh, I never give up. And that sometimes is a curse, you know, and, um, you know, bringing baby boxes to America. This had never been done before. This had been done in third world countries, but people in, in America were like, this is a first world country. Why do we need to put babies in boxes? And I'm like, you know, in a perfect world, we wouldn't. We, we wouldn't. 
But right now we're finding babies in dumpsters and in trash cans because these women are too afraid to walk into a place and hand the, uh, the child to a person. You know, we can make it harder for these women or we can make it easier for these women to surrender their children. And, and I chose the second path. And uh, I have had critics. I have had my life threatened. I've had to get a restraining order. I have had to file a lawsuit against a person that continued to harass me and stalk me because he felt that this was the worst idea in the world. And um, but you know what? I didn't give up, you know. I, I got up every morning, I got dressed every morning and I showed up every morning, you know, to, to what needed to be done. And, um, you know, when you have Christ on your side, you'll get it done. Um, but giving up was never an option for me. And now that I see all of these women and these kids that have come through our program, I, I realize how important it was for me to have kind of a, a rocky start to fight for what we wanted to do for these moms. And, and today, uh, the organization is so much stronger because we had a rocky road at the beginning and we fought so hard for these women. Um, so it, it, it's, it's interesting that you asked that question, though, because, you know, I never thought I would ever be doing this. Um, but how blessed am I to have this job? You know, how blessed am I to have once been this unwanted child whisked into this world by violence and now running an organization that is saving the lives of others. It's just, I, I'm so blessed. Yeah, I definitely think your passion for this organization is so evident in all the work that you do. I mean, almost 60 boxes in the whole country, that's a huge accomplishment. And the fact that you're providing so many resources for moms, especially teen moms who I'm guessing have nowhere to go and you help them yep. through that whole process. So relating to people's passions, what is some advice you have for youth who want to create their own organizations about causes that they're passionate about? Uh, never give up. Never stop believing in yourself and continue to fight for what you know is right. Those three things will get you to the end result. It's not going to be easy. It is not going to be fun some days but you have to continue to look at what your end goal is. And my end goal was always to save babies. You know, and these are, these are, these are alive babies. These are babies who are born that were being thrown in trash cans. And so I, I would keep remembering that every time I had a, a, a rock thrown at me and, but I never gave up and you can't, I mean, it's going to be hard, but you have to persevere. You have to continue to move forward and know the reason why you're fighting so hard. If you just go into something with just an idea, but no, um, no focus on why it's never going to work for you. You have to have that focus on why you're fighting so hard, um, in order to do what you need to do to get there. Yeah, that's great advice. I know, especially with everyone staying home and being quarantined, it can be kind of scary for youth to get out there and start something. But yeah, I agree. Just go out there and follow your passions. So looking forward to the future of Safe Haven Baby Box, what are some plans or goals you have? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, my goal is to never see another abandonment in our country. That is my ultimate goal. You know, I often get asked, you know, um, why are you putting so many boxes in buildings? And I said, well, because there's so much of a need. And when that need ends, I'll pull these boxes out. 
You know, it's, it's the, the end goal is always to make sure that no baby dies in our streets in America. I mean, in a first world country, we have babies dying in streets, dying in trash cans, dying in dumpsters because parents are too scared. So that is my ultimate goal. What I look in the next five years, uh, baby boxes will be in every state by the year 2025. And uh, we are, my team, I have a team of nine um, we strive every day to reach that goal because we know every state needs them. There's abandonments in every state. And there are some states that, you know, there are babies we've never even found that have been abandoned, you know? So yeah, for every baby that we find, how many babies did we not, you know? And, and so, um, the future is very bright for safe haven baby boxes. I can't wait to see the day when abandonments are at zero, because then I will be out of a job and I will be happy to be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> I also hope a day comes one day when there's no need for baby boxes. But until then, I think your organization is so great in providing mothers those resources that they can turn to if needed. As a last thing, in one sentence, what would you say to inspire Generation Z? I would say, believe in yourself. I mean, as simple as that sounds, believe in yourself, because if you believe in yourself, others will believe in you and you'll be able to change the world. I mean, I went from an abandoned baby to now saving abandoned babies. And so when you, when you think about that, it's because I believed in myself and I believed that I could change this problem that we had in America. So the one sentence that I would tell your viewers is believe in yourself, love yourself too. I mean, that that's definitely a, um, a positive thing, but believe in yourself. If you can believe in yourself, others will too. And you'll be able to do things you never thought you could. Yes, everyone, please believe in yourself and know that you can do it. I'm rooting for you. Again, thank you so much to Monica Kelsey for joining me for this episode. Honestly, this episode was easily one of the most inspiring talks that I've ever had in terms of her story and how she created Safe Haven Baby Boxes and all her experiences during that process up to now. Monica continues to advocate for saving countless babies' lives through building baby boxes all over the country. For more updates on Safe Haven Baby Box events, visit their Instagram at Safe Haven Baby Boxes. In addition, you can visit their website for more detailed information at shbb.org. If you found this episode to inspire you to aspire for your dreams, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you later.